0: I want to welcome you. Good morning. My name is Dan Song. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be together this morning as we dive into God's Word. Uh, last week, we actually kicked off our series in the Apostles' Creed, and our, we called it We Believe. What is it that we believe? And last week, we looked at how in a really fractured world, right, as, especially as we looked at last week, all the different issues going on in our world, politically, socially, you know, what does it mean to actually be a follower of Jesus? And we saw that the Apostles' Creed really helps to clarify, it helps to unify, but it also provides us a beautiful story that shapes who we are in our identity and our purpose and mission as followers of Jesus. And so this week, as we continue in our series until Christmas time or Advent, our Advent season, uh, we're going to be looking this week at the first tenet of what we believe, which is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And so we're going to look at these two aspects of who God is. He's all He's Father, but He's also Creator. And so uh, turn your Bibles to Psalm 113. Psalm 113, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles provided for you underneath the chair in front of you. And there you can turn to page 510. 510 of the church bibles and if you don't have a Bible feel free to use, uh, take that with you it's our gift to you so that you might be able to know the God that we worship as we normally do on a Sunday morning that you could be able to read uh, and, and discover who this God is but Psalm 113 and we're going to look at the whole thing together and actually this morning we'll be jumping around to some other places too but we'll provide it for you on the screen in front of you so read it along with me and, and as you think about this If someone were to ask you who is God or what is God, how would you respond to that? And here this morning, this gives us a very concise way for us to be able to answer who God is. So follow along with me starting. Hey, what's up? Psalm 113, verses 1 through 9. Praise the Lord. Praise those servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives a barren woman a home, making her jo- the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Lord, we come before you when we ask that as we dive into your word this morning, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, so that we might be able to see you as you are, the God who is our Father Almighty, but also the creator of heaven heaven, and earth do that good work we ask in jesus name amen here pictured on the screen for you is an iconic picture one that if you're not familiar is the president john f kennedy but also with his son john f kennedy jr underneath the resolute desk and what makes this picture so iconic isn't just that you see the president of the united states with his child playing with him in the Oval Office but one of the things that you might not know is that this picture was taken a month before John FK Jr. or John FK's assassination in November of 1963. Now obviously the photographer had no idea that that would be the case but because of the way the magazines work they put it into production. Uh, John FK and his wife Jackie had a a pre-production magazine of it. So when he went to Dallas and he was assassinated, Look Magazine basically put it out to the public soon after his assassination. So not only is it iconic just because of the picture of the President of the United States as a father, but the nation, our, our nation was grieving the loss of their president, but also of a father. And here in this Psalm 113, as we look at the Apostles' Creed of God being our creator, but also our maker, this, I think, symbolizes well who our God is. That God is the infinite, powerful God over all creation, but also our imminent Father who is tender and near to us. Now this morning, as we look at this passage, 113 and elsewhere, what I want to do for us this morning is just look at these two aspects of the God that we worship, that we confess to believe. That God is transcendent, powerful in being creator of the heavens and the earth, but also our Father Almighty. So let's first look at here, God the creator. As we looked at verse, or chapter 113 of this psalm, verses 4 through 6 speak of his transcendence, right? The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on the high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? What's described here by the psalmist is a God who is all-powerful and infinite in power, who is distant, you could say, as, as the way he describes. He is far above the heavens and the earth that he's created. And we see that here that this psalmist praises God for his transcendence, his power. He's placing God in his rightful place above all the nations, filled with all authority. And he's independent from his creation. He's unbound by space and by time. He is infinite, omnipresent, and sovereign over all of his creation. Our God is above even the heavens themselves beyond any need that we could ever fulfill and past the limits of our even our own finite understanding. This is no small God. This is no God who is able to be pacified or distracted. Rather, our response here should be one that is a posture of reverence, awe, and humility. And I think that's the point. When we say that we believe in God, our maker of heaven and earth, we're saying that he is the creator and he deserves this kind of awe and reverence. Much like when we saw this picture of JFK in the Oval Office, holding that kind of power and authority over the United States. We have a God who holds that power and authority over the entire universe that he has created. And when we look at this aspect of saying that we believe God is our maker, what we're actually saying is that we're not looking at what or how he's created the things that he has created. Rather, it should point us to the creator when we look at these things. Creation speaks of its maker. John Calvin actually said the world is the theater of God's glory. And scripture actually points to this. Here, Psalm 19, verse 1. I have it here projected for you, but this is what it says. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. When we look at His creation, when we look at the created order of all things, when we look at the Grand Canyon, one member this morning at the 9 a.m. service after said, we just went to the Grand Canyon. And when I look at that, it made me in awe of the God that created the Grand Canyon. Here we're able to be able to see who God is. And this phrase, the maker of heaven and earth, is derived from where? Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now I know that many of us here, maybe some of you might actually be in this place where in our cultural moment, we don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We don't believe when we look at the Grand Canyon or the things in our world here in St. Louis, that there is a God who made it. And even scripture addresses that actually. In Psalm 14, verse 1, the psalmist says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Nietzsche made that very clear that God is dead, right? And if we were to admit that God is dead, Nietzsche actually is willing to be honest and say that, well, if God is dead, then God did not die alone. Because if God is dead, then you know what else died with it? meaning and any sense of purpose in life, any sorts of morality between what is right and wrong must have also died along with God if God is dead. And Nietzsche actually wrestled with that through a multiple of books that he wrote and essays is how do we then make sense in this world if God is dead, any sort of purpose and meaning in life? Where do I find any sorts of identity? Why do I exist? What is my purpose in life? What is the meaning of life if there is no creator God? And he goes on to say, what could the point of life be without a God who created humankind as the pinnacle of his creation? What would be the point of our existence? And those are the things our culture is wrestling with if we say that there is no God, that God is dead. Julian Barnes, an author, in his book, he writes this very poignant phrase that says, I don't believe in God, but I miss Him. That is our cultural moment. God is dead, there is no God, but I miss Him. But here, for us, we know that there is an author. One theologian said, indeed, where there is no author, there can be no story." And that's what Nietzsche was saying. And for us, what we say is there is an author, there is a creator. There is meaning and purpose in life because there is an author who has wrote that story, who has created the heavens and the earth, who's created us to be able to say there is meaning and purpose. And that is what the Christian faith says when I say I believe in God, the maker of heaven and earth. And here, what is our response if God is truly the creator, the maker of heaven and earth? Well, there's just three things I want us to focus on this morning as we think about that aspect. Well, first, it it should cause us to worship and give thanks and be in awe. We are swimming in the waters of our cultural moment that says there is no transcendent, there is no supernatural, there is no God, and we have bought into it as followers of Jesus. But a way to break that mold to say that there is a God who has created the heavens and the earth is to actually worship and give thanks. To be able to name it and identify that God has created this and to be able to give thanks. Scripture actually does that throughout all different kinds of different books in the Bible. In Revelation 4 verse 11, Worthy are you, O our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and they were created. But then you go to the historical books in in the Old Testament. And in 1 Chronicles 16, 29, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And then in Jeremiah 32, a prophet He says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then in the Psalms, Psalm 95, verse 6, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We need to practice the art and the skill and the habit that then forms us to know that God is our creator, our maker. Our culture even does this, those who don't believe in God. When you look at social media, though they do not believe that there is a God, what do they do? They snap pictures on their Instagram and on TikTok and and Be Real and whatever else is out there, right? And it's what pictures of God's creation, of its beauty and splendor and majesty. It is natural within our human tendency. It is our inclination to worship. What is out there? But for us, we know who has created it, and we are called to form a habit of worship and awe and thanksgiving. Just this past week, as the weather cooled down in the evenings, I started a bonfire, and I saw three slugs. I've never seen slugs in St. Louis. I thought it was a a California thing growing up in California. But I saw three slugs. Someone just told me after after the first service that. There's tons of slugs in St. Louis. I'm like, I've never seen slugs, I promise you, in 17 years. But as I prepare this, I'm like, thank you, God, for the most disgusting thing in the world. (laughs) Seeing the slime trail behind this slug. Thank you that you are even mindful of a disgusting slug (laughs) as you are of me. Are we practicing and forming the habits to be able to give awe and worship and thanks for God who is our maker? But also we're called to trust. In Genesis 1, where we see this come from, the heavens and the earth that God made, what does he say after each and every single day when he makes the sea between the sky and the sea, between the heaven and the earth, between the animals and the vegetation? What does he say after each day? He says, it was good. But then on the last day, after he looks at all of his creation, After he looks at his universe and the galaxies, what does he say? He looks at it and he says, it was very good. Very good. So profound because why in the midst of this that is very good, why is it good? Because the author, the creator is very good. And in the midst of the circumstances that we all go through, right? In the midst of the hardships and the suffering and the disappointments of life, And the felt needs that we have, can we trust this God who is very good, who holds all things together, who is renewing and redeeming? He's not done and just leaves things behind, but He continues to hold things in His hand, and He's renewing and redeeming, restoring, and making all things new right now. Do you believe in this kind of God? Do you trust in Him who is sovereign, who is able, who controls, and who is almighty? And reliable. Do you trust Him? But lastly, we're called to be stewards of His creation. We're called to be stewards. Jay Packer, an author and theologian, one of his books, he wrote, we serve God by using and enjoying temporal things gratefully with a sense of their value to Him, their Maker, and of His generosity in giving them to us. This is the way God has ordered our world. He created us, made in His image, so that we might care for His world. We might care for the things that He has created. And we're called to steward them well. This is what we say when we say we believe in God, our maker of heaven and earth. We're called to worship, to trust in Him, and to steward His good creation. That's what we see here when we say that God is the creator. We we recognize his transcendence. We recognize his power. But secondly, as we saw the picture of JFK, not only is he the president of the United States, he is a father, he is tender. And here with G- with God, we see the Apostles' Creed begin with what? Not the creator. It actually begins by confessing and professing God as our Father Almighty. And this Psalm 113 that we read to begin our sermon with, in verse 7, you know, in the first part, it talks about how he's so powerful, he's almighty, he's above the heavens and the earth. But then look at what what comes right after that in verse 7. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He gives the barren woman a home. You see a God who is all-powerful on one hand, but on the other hand, He's also a God who is intimate and near and tender. He's far above what He's created, but then what we see here in, in Psalm 113 is He actually comes near and helps those who are needy, those who are barren, and draws near to them. This is our loving Father that we get to profess faith and belief in. And this is what we see even amidst the Jesus when he tells us of how we're to identify with God. When he says what we just did even this morning when we prayed, how do we address God? We said, our Father. Now I know for some of us here in this room, that's a hard thing to hear because of the way that our earthly fathers have been to us. At worst, we all have a miscommunication, and hurt, and brokenness with our fathers. But at worst, we also have fathers that have alienated us, abused us, abandoned us. Some of us don't even know who our fathers were. And so when we come to, a, to this confession that says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, when we're supposed to address our God in prayer, our Father, that does something to us. Even as I think about my relationship as a father, I'm thinking about how much money I need to put into their counseling fund, right? Because of the ways that I've damaged them. In my imperfections, in my brokenness, in the ways that both directly and indirectly have harmed my own kids. And so how are we supposed to reconcile that with this heavenly father that we are to call Father well, here what we see is that when Scripture shows us that the relationship of God as Father is not supposed to be reflective of our earthly fathers. Here in Scripture, it's, it's there to inform us and also correct us of how our earthly fathers are supposed to be. And so when we see this in the, in the differences between our Heavenly Father and our earthly fathers, we're able to know this is what a father is supposed to be like. Loving, unconditional, present, meeting our needs, coming to where we are at. Everything that Scripture shows us, this is what it is, and it's supposed to correct us and also show us what is wrong about our relationships with our earthly fathers. And here, it's not only us that deals with it, but the disciples dealt with that too. Philip. When he comes to Jesus around with his disciples in John 14, 8, and we have it here on the screen for you, this is what Philip asked Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And how does Jesus answer him? Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Then jump down to verse 18. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, what's Jesus doing there? You hear all this language of Father in me, I in him, and then you will be in me. And all this language of love and Father will love you and I will love you. What is all that talking about? Well, here's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying that to experience the Father, you're experiencing the Trinity. When we begin, I believe in God the Father. It's acknowledging that the the God is a Trinitarian God. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to lose you here. I'm not going to go deep into the Trinity. Here's all I want you to know about the Trinity, at least today is that when we talk about the Trinity, we're acknowledging the personhood of God, that God is one in three, that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they are one. The Father's in me, and I in him. But here's the other thing that I don't think we think about a lot when we talk about the Trinity, and maybe the church and the pastors have failed you in this, but here's where I think we don't think about the Trinity. You must think about the personhood of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but the other aspect that you cannot negate is that the Trinity is also in this perfect, divine, loving relationship. It's a relationship, it cannot be broken. And they are in this perfect, self sufficient, loving relationship that is divine and perfect and unconditional. And that's why when Jesus is baptized, what does the Father say? He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What he's saying is that there is love, pleasure, delight, pride, honor, affection, joy. It's this deep, divine, matchless love. And this is the heart of the father to his son, Jesus. And when you consider how the Father sees the Son, that is exactly the same way the Father sees you. Do you believe that? I think we know that, but all too often, myself included, we don't believe it. We believe God is frustrated with us, he's annoyed with us, He's disappointed with us. That even him bringing us into the family of God is something that he just has to do. But if this is us now in the Son, as the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father, and now we are engrafted into this triune family, then this is the way God sees you and me. He loves us with pure unadulterated love, with pure joy and delight, with honor and pride. Nothing in this world can ever take that away because Jesus went to the cross, died on your behalf, and because of his work, we are now a part of this trinity. We are invited in. And this is what it means when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And though we wrestle and struggle to believe this, every single day we need to be able to be reminded of how God the Father sees His Son. And when we know that, we have to claim it and say, that's how He sees me. With all my sin, with all my brokenness, with all my mess, it doesn't matter. Jesus sees us. The Father sees us with pleasure, delight, and pride, and honor. And it's pure, and it's perfect. This is what we say, this is what it means when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And we have to hold these things together. I think it's so important that we hold these these two things together, that God is creator, and that God is Father. I thought about this week as I closed. I thought about this week. Like, have I ever made anything for my kids? I'm like, actually, no, I'm the worst. Like, I have no bone in me that can make anything. I can't fix anything around the house. So I've made Ikea furniture for them, but that doesn't count, right? I mean, it's just, it's a manual and you follow it and it's poorly made and it's cheap. But then I realized, wait a second, you know what? Like, I don't make things and build things for them, but I cook for them and i make and i create and i'm a chef for them in one sense now as a maker of korean food and barbecue right like on one hand if you just 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 think about that alone then you know what i would make i would make anything that i would want i would make it unhealthy super salty super spicy and it would just be for my pleasure and my delight right but i don't do that I don't abuse the power that I have in the kitchen to make what I want alone that would make me and myself happy. I consider that I am a father to my three children. And so being young, they can't handle all the spiciness that I prefer. We, they have, some of them have allergies. And so I'm not going to just put a ton of dairy products into my food that I cook or put peanuts and nuts into the food that I make. Why? Because I'm not just a chef or a maker of food, but I am also their father. And I think that's what we say when we say that God is almighty, Father almighty and maker of heaven and earth. It is only when we see that God rules His creation as a kind and loving Father that we will be moved to delight in His sovereignty and His providence. He creates as a Father and He rules as a Father and that means when He rules over creation, it is most unlike any other God that would rule over creation. And This is what we say. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He is transcendent, but he's also tender and imminent. This is the God we worship. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are not only creator of this universe, who has all the power in the world and abuses it, but you are also the perfect, loving, tender Father to us. So, Father, I pray that as we come to the table this morning, though it is so hard to believe, and there's so many different lies that tell us that you are disappointed, you are frustrated, that you do not love us, Lord, I pray that as we come to the table, this table that pictures beautifully and perfectly the love of the Father, Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith to believe this morning, that as we go into our work weeks, as we go into our schools, as we enter back into our families, our broken homes, Lord, remind us that you are our Heavenly Father that loves us and delights in us and is proud of us. Do that good work we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.